Welcome to Why in the World. My name is Ben Shepard. Thank you for everybody following the Instagram account at Why in the World Pod. If you haven't done that yet, go and get that followed. I will follow you back. Loads of lovely messages about the podcast on there as well. So thank you so much for them. If you haven't popped those messages in the review box on Apple Podcasts, though, go and do that as well and stick us a five star rating because it just helps us out in those charts. Today's guest, Susie Chan. Susie is an ultra endurance runner and one of the nicest people I have ever had the pleasure of chatting to. Her story is amazing. Just a quick note before we get into this conversation, there are a couple of little cameos in there from Susie's dog. He just wanted to join in. He just wanted to be involved. This is Susie Chan on Why in the World. Susie, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yes, I'm very well, thank you. Um, firstly, thank you for having me in your house. We hear the just shuffling of your, your little dogs about the floor. Yeah, yes, <laughs> hopefully they'll behave for the duration of it. <laughs> I don't want to bless them. What drew you to running in the first place? Do you know, I wasn't actually drawn to running at all. Um, I was uh, in my mid-30s. I was quite unhealthy. I was a single mum. I used to smoke drink lots of wine and just watch TV. I was pretty, um, it wasn't a brilliant existence, to be honest. And my younger brother wanted to run a marathon as a sort of bucket list ticket off. Um, and as part of his training, he, he needed to do a half marathon. And so he cajoled me into, um, into doing a local half marathon with him. And I, actually, at the time, I thought... Probably could do with a, you know, a bit of a kick yeah, um, and, and try and be a little bit healthier, you know, as an example to my daughter, perhaps. Um, and so I agreed and signed up and started training. Yeah. And the, I can remember my very first run, actually. I was trying to run around two football pitches in Guildford and I couldn't do it. <laughs> Did, what did you feel like then, like when you started running? Uh, do you know what started starting? The actual first sort of three or four runs are probably the most are really tough because I did I mean I think I just went really really fast and had to stop they're always the worst ones actually because it's really 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 hard to get going and then once you do get into a routine or a rhythm or do get going then you reach a point where it starts to get a little bit easier and you can feel yourself um, getting stronger sort of fitter yeah and that happens quite quickly I think anybody that would start running you know within a few weeks I'd say if you get through the first month you're golden (laughs) so before that like prior to that before you had your daughter did you do any sport at all were you sporty in any way were you sporty as a kid Uh, no I mean I at school um, I think my PE teachers would struggle to remember me, to be honest with you, but I took part in PE um, and on sports day, mm. I, I, I can remember being in sort of 4x400, four 4x100 by four by and the 400 metres, that sort of thing. So I was... I totally different to what you do I, now. I, I could, well, I could have been, you know, I think sort of out of a class of people, I was, yeah. I was okay at running fast and short distances, but I wasn't, you know, they wouldn't remember me at all. Um, I liked netball. I think that was the only thing which I was vaguely good at at school. But it stopped, you know, as soon as I left school, I didn't do anything. Talk to me about that first race then, that first half marathon. How long did you train for that? I think, it's a bit hazy actually, I think I trained for probably about four months. And I can remember just running up and down the road, 
in gym shoes. <laughs> um, just, you know, I didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't have a, a watch or anything like that. I was just running. I was running to the big Tesco's and then running back again. Um, you know, trying try to get a little bit further each time. Um, and when I turned up, right, at first, on the actual morning, I decided, I thought, oh, that's stupid. I don't want to do it. You know, I was terrified. And then uh, my brother turned up to my front door and dragged me to the start line. You're doing this. Yeah, like, you know, this is happening. And I, you know, that that thing you stand at the start of a race and you look around and everybody looked like they knew what they were doing they looked you know I thought, I'm going to be last because it was you know it's a relatively modest local half marathon it's called Pilgrim's Half Marathon and then somebody said oh this is a trail race and I didn't know what that meant so I was like okay <laughs> stood there in my gym shoes I had um, an underwire bra on <laughs> And um, because I'd been dithering so much, I think I had like 10 minutes before the race started. So I was proper panicking and then it just started. So I started running. Sorry, that's my dog barking in the background. <laughs> he was celebrating the fact that you started running evidently. It was like over stiles, through muddy puddles. I had no idea. Um, but I did, I did actually enjoy it. I can remember getting to about... I'd been terrified. And then getting to about nine miles and then thinking oh my God, I'm going to finish. Because <laughs> I had no idea if I was going to finish. And that really, just that slight sort of mindset change and knowing that I was going to finish, it was a real lift. And I started you know, running as hard as I could for those last few miles. So when you crossed that finish line for that first one then, can you remember that feeling? Oh, it was honestly, it was the best I'd felt in years. I, I couldn't, I could not believe, I could not believe I'd run 13 miles. I actually couldn't believe it. And mm. it was, and then that was it. That That was it. Just that one feeling which I've been chasing ever since pretty much. How old were you at that point then? Uh, when was that? That was 2011 I think so I'm 43 now so uh, seven years ago. People think oh it's too too late to start now. It's never too late is it? Oh never too late. I've got a I know my, so basically here's a, here's a story so my father is 70 he just turned 70 last week. I saw the photo on Instagram that he did story. He had quite a high blood pressure you know he was, he was going to be sort of a little bit, uh, little bit chubby around the middle, you know, and uh, his, his sort of, he, he, you know, he, he decided that he was going to try and be a tiny bit healthier, and so he started, um, he started to jog up the road, like 400 metres we're talking here, and then walk back, and that was last October, and he has been doing that um, since then, and after Christmas, he decided to do his first ever park run. <sighs> And he's literally the last person in the world I thought would start running. Um, and so he went from not being able to run like 400 metres to, to doing his first park run, which he, I hadn't seen him so animated in such a long time at the end of that. And he's 70, so, you know. And then last time I saw him a couple of weeks ago, he turned up with a, with a Fitbit and he was showing me his minute miles. And all that. Oh. Yeah, he's, he's completely up with you know, so it's, it's lovely. So it's, it is never too late, You've never too late. It. You've lost him into the running world. Man. Yeah, that's it, yeah. So from your half marathon then, when did you kind of become this crazy endurance runner that you are now? So that's uh, it. Kind of escalated quite quickly after that. Mm. To be really honest, that's what with happens, you. isn't it? Y- yeah. Well, I, it was like oh, I want to do that again, you know. And then it was it was that again. And then I did some ten k's. Um, and then of course went on to do a marathon relatively quickly. And then I can remember uh, I bought Runners World, you know, and I was like, I'm learning about running. <laughs> and I can remember when I when I saw I saw a, a, an article in Runners World uh, about a race called the Marathon de Saab. And that's a six-day race across mm. the Sahara Desert, 150 miles. It's probably, I mean, arguably the most famous race. It's probably one of the race. most famous um, multi-stage races in the world, I would say it is. 
And I, I couldn't believe such things even existed. Mm. I, I'd never even fathomed that you could run, that there was such a thing as running further than the marathon. And it really, really, really piqued my interest. I mean, I just couldn't stop thinking about this race. And I thought, you know what, I'd love to do that one day. I'll sign up. It's very hard to get into. A lot of people said it's very, very hard to get into. That was all I knew. And so I thought, I'll sign up to the wait list and um, get the emails, you know, so I can sort of see what's happening. Signed up to the wait list. And then I found out about 48 hours later that, uh, you know, the way the wait list works is you, you get in. And I was, I was terrified. Mm. Um, so it went from, I would imagine, kind of excitement to I'm absolutely... Oh, I, was, I, I, I couldn't think of anything else. And so I started, I started properly training, you know, a very focused training. Uh, uh, I put in a lot of hours, time on feet, along the trails with a weighted pack, a lot of research about kit. Um, I did uh, some multi-stages in the UK to prepare myself. And I think the first ultramarathon I did, it was around the Isle of Wight mm. uh, in June, over two days. And I thought, if I can't survive the Isle of Wight in June, then I'm going to die in the Sahara. It was actually really, really encouraging because you, anybody could do these, these races if they really want to. And it, it's, I just, it was amazing. It's amazing what you can do if you put your mind to it. And so the, that race I picked, um, they're a company called X Energy, and they run their races. There's no cutoffs, and they're for runners and walkers. Oh, wow. And so I figured, right, I can run 26 miles. If need be, I'll, I'll walk the rest, you know. And so there was slightly less pressure in that sense. And I actually enjoyed that, not having, not, have, not, not worrying about pace, because all the other races I'd ever done up to that, that time, you know, were about how, what my minute miles were, you mm-hmm. know. Is that something you still get stressed with now, time? Or is it something... Less so now I've got slower, to be honest. <laughs> it took a while. Um, no. No. Uh, I'd be lying if it was a completely no. Obviously, I'd like to run faster. I, I, I wasn't very well last year, and since then, I've really, really struggled to get back onto pace. It's been it's been a huge, um, for one reason or another, my health's not quite one hundred percent. I'm not quite where I, where I was beforehand. Okay. Um, so I got cancer last year, which was a bit <laughs> it was a bit of a, bit of a blow, and I've n- I've not quite managed to get back to where, where I was, um, and so I've had a year off. Not off, I've been running. But yeah. a year, you know, like, whatever. It doesn't, really doesn't matter. And it really doesn't matter. And this year, there is a... So I'm a little bit injured in that I can't run very long, but I can run. And so I think it's going to give me an opportunity to try and uh, get back down to track um, and focus a little bit on the on the shorter ones and try and get a little bit of pace back. But um, the beauty of ultra running, I would say, is that your minute miles are kind of... You know, your 50-mile time for one race won't be the same as a 50-mile time for another race because the courses are so different. In terms of the, the cancer, as soon as you found out, how did that affect sort of your mindset? Oh, I was, I, I was still quite focused on the races I had to do. I, think I missed one race. <laughs> um, I found out at the end of Chicago Marathon because um, I was, had a terrible cough and I was, they thought it was sand in my lungs from all the desert running I've been doing. <laughs> and it turned out to be a huge lump in my throat. Um, and it, it, everything was quite quick after that. That was I think that was that was I think it was about October time it is. And then by February I had two operations, and um, by six weeks later I was at the start line of the marathon sub um, with my friends, my husband, and my very good friends because there was no way I was going to miss it. it. I was like I, I literally I'm, I'm I'm doing this race, and uh, it was a great race. Was there advice though? 
like what did people say so I, I, uh, so the uh, I know the organisers quite well they knew my history um, the whole of the race it's probably one of the safest races I've ever done the whole of the race is manned uh, by medical staff so all the volunteers are all medical staff um, I had to provide a little bit more in the way of medical information for them and um, sort of medical history and they kind of there's, there's, there's people that do that race with terminal illnesses, you know, and they, they're given the opportunity. So it's a, in that sense, you just sort of go, you sort of go on a list of people just to keep an eye on, keep an eye on checkpoint to checkpoint. And they and also they knew I was running with my husband and one of my best friends um, the whole way. Okay. So I was I was never you're never really alone. It wasn't and and I, obviously I wasn't going to go and. Uh, <laughs> try and win it um, I was just enjoying the race story. Yeah. <laughs> I was just enjoying the race for, for what it was and then I think about uh, what was it uh, April yeah, about four weeks after that five weeks after that I went and did a hundred miler um, across Florida um, I think I was I, I was in a uh, in a space of just trying to prove to myself that everything was fine and where are you now with it everything oh everything's fine uh, sort of yeah I'm just trying it, it still needs because they took out a lot of my thyroid which controls a, a lot I, I didn't even know what it did mm-hmm. but uh, it actually controls a lot in your body it controls your core temperature it controls your metabolism um, it's had a, a big effect on my blood pressure which has been the most difficult thing to manage mm-hmm. um, and so we've been on a bit of a, a bit of a journey I've been jabbed a lot had lots of blood tests off and on for the past 12 months um, and I think, I think I'm now at a point where I can not um, worry about it and just kind of crack on with the running if my foot gets better. Yeah, well, this is the other thing. Your bone in your foot yeah. basically fell out. Well, it kind of slid down. Slid. My, it slid down. My, so I did, a, I did a race in September. Um, 24 hour, a 24-hour track race. So that basically, you it's like the antithesis of every ultra ever mm. on these beautiful mountains or this, where you, you run... Was, I ran around a 400-metre track in Tooting, South London, for 24 hours, midday to midday, and you, just to see how far you, you go. Um, how far did you go? Uh, well, I ran 103 miles on the clock and 106 <laughs> on my Garmin. The, the, the worst thing actually was um, it rained for 21 and a half of the 24 hours. Oh I mean, it, it wasn't just, a, it was off and on drizzle, hard rain, heavier rain, torrential rain, a bit of drizzle for 21 hours. And that actually, more than the laps, more than the sort of monotony of it, more than the pain that I was going through in my feet um, and my legs. That was probably the most soul-destroying bit. Just the fact that it was just absolutely <laughs> It just didn't stop raining. And I was fine, 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 you know, very mentally focused, I think, until, until a tw- I think it was 22 hours in, it really, really started to come down. I mean, it was proper downpour. And I had run out of all of my dry clothes. I had nothing. And I was starting to get very cold and demoralised, as you can imagine. Um, and then... Um, like three things happened that completely changed my race at that point because I was I, I was done I was I, I was done running around a track, um, and one was a, a complete I had no idea who it was a, a bystander just said look I can't watch you you look so cold and wet and so she got undressed and gave me her clothes. Oh. <laughs> Which was unbelievable. Oh, and then I warmed up immediately because I wasn't wearing any wet clothes. You know, I'd warmed up, and then my my good friend turned up with oh, um, with 
uh, five, which I didn't know at the time. I don't really drink coffee. I, I, I only, I sort of, I, I save my caffeine for long endurance races, my caffeine moments. So coffee has quite an effect on me. So she turned up with five espressos in one cup and had like three sugars in it. <laughs> and I, I was like, oh, here's some coffee. So I just necked it in a one and then it was like rocket fuel. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, and then I also, what was happening was I was going up the rankings because a lot of people were dropping out because the weather was so awful. Um, and I had a podium spot in my, in my sights if I put the hammer down. And so I started to... It, it, all those three things all happened within about 20 minutes of each other. And then, and then my, my race... I mean, those, those of you who've done sort of longer running, you know that your race can change. You know, it can literally mm-hmm. go from being despair to, to joy um, with, with other influences and things. And, and that's what happened. And I, and I was completely joyous when I finished. Yeah, I can imagine. Did you get a podium? Yeah, I did. Yeah. You did? Got, yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, but my foot really hurt. <laughs> Yeah, it still really hurts. <laughs> My foot really hurt, and it, it really hurt. And, and, and it's normal for your feet to hurt after you do something like that. Um, because, you know, it's, it's not sensible to run 100 miles all around a track for 24 no. hours. Um, and then uh, normally for a couple of days, you know, your, your feet hurt. But I, it hurt like a week later, and then I realised there, there was a problem. What sort of mental strength do you have to have to go through a 24-hour race on a track? You need to be quite focused. Mm. You need to be quite focused. Is that something you've always had, or is it something that you struggle? I didn't know. I had it. I didn't know. I'd tap, I, I didn't know really. I, uh, I didn't know I could do that. But I'm, I'm quite. Um, once I've told myself I'm going to do something, I'll, 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 I'll do it. You know, even if that's like a training run. If I say I'm going to run eight miles, I'll, I'll run eight miles. Yeah, <laughs> just got to do it. I just, I just will do it. And, and I never stand at the start line of a race, apart from that very first one wondering if I can do it. I stand at the start line thinking this is, this is what I'm doing. So you're a little bit stubborn, maybe? Probably, yeah. I think, every, uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but then for the 24-hour race, it was quite easy to break down mentally in that sense because every four hours we've got to change direction, which was very exciting at the track. Um, but, you know, I just think in those sorts of 100-milers t- t- or whatever, or those sorts of races, I just think, well, this time tomorrow I'll be doing, you know... And so I was, as soon as the as soon yeah. as the clacton went off, it's like, well, this time tomorrow I'll be finished. Right. You know, literally from the second it starts. And then it's those so, little mental games you play on yourself, isn't it? I suppose. It's yeah. Like, it's like that lamppost, the lamppost thing. You're like, oh, okay, we'll yeah. get to that lamppost. It, it's thing. basically the same thing. Doesn't matter what race. You know, I can run a five k race. It, always that, there's always that bit two thirds through a race where it's just horrendous, isn't it? And just like mm. why? And that, that happens to me in park run. <laughs> you know, I feel like, <laughs> so why, like, why <laughs> this is horrible. I can't run this fast. You know, or ten k. It's the same thing. It yeah. happens no matter what distance. It's the same. It's the same emotions. It's just mm. how how well you can manage them. In terms of like the MDS, then I want to talk about that a little bit. Um, how many times have you been there? The MDS four times. Been there four times. Yeah, yeah. It seems like the sort of race that a lot of people would go and do once. Yeah, and it. it yeah, I, I can understand that because it is such a. It's a special race, and and um, people that have run that race will understand this. That you go and you don't really remember the running is kind of secondary to your your recollection of the race, and it'll be your tent mates and the experience, and you know, sort of because uh, you slightly unravel ever ever so slightly because you get ever so hungry because you're starving because you have to carry all your own food, and so people. Um, don't eat as much as they should be eating and so you, there's all these little things kind of chip away at you um, you know you don't wash because you, you don't I mean I don't get changed at all for a week because you know there's no facilities to wash yeah, so you just, smells. yeah I mean, so you just sort of, and then you sort of you, you know you, there's people that sort of go off to rehab they, they, they take them down to their bare they're bare, you know mm. bare beings that they don't have so we have no phones you have nothing I mean you literally have one pot 
one spoon, the clothes on your back, just enough food to get by, and incredibly good company. <laughs> so for people that don't know what the MDS is, just try and... It's hard to summarise, really, in a short amount of time, but... No, it's, 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 a, it's a six-day uh, race through the Sahara Desert. It takes place annually. About 1,000 people do it every year. Wow. And the, the difficulty is... So normally it follows roughly the same format every year, so it'll be just under a marathon each day for the first three days. One of those days will involve a huge amount of ascent and descent over these things called jebels which are Af- which are mountains in the in the um in the sahara desert and then after 3 days of that you have the dreaded long stage which is always an ultra marathon in the four times i've done it that's ranged from let's think from something like 48 miles to uh 61 miles so they they vary that and then, and then Huge <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I might not be remembering that correctly, but it has varied. Yeah. One year it was just under 100k, which seemed incredibly <laughs> hard. Oh, <laughs> um, and then, uh, depending how fast you run that, if you run it fast enough, you get a rest day because uh, some people like to obviously could take their time with that. Um, and then a marathon, sort of a literally 26.2 miles across the Sahara, and uh, then a sort of a fun run. And the, the, the tough thing is, I mean, if that's not... <laughs> the tough thing is, is that it's self-sufficient, so that means you have to carry everything you think you're going to require for that week on your back. And there's a minimum number of calories you need to bring, um, your survival kit and your sleeping gear. The, the, what the race does provide is water which is uh, rationed mm. and a sort of blanket on sticks to sleep <laughs> under. Everything else is, is provided by you. And one of the one things which runners focus on is getting their pack weight down because you're carrying a lot of weight on your back. Mm. And so the more you carry, the harder it is, really. Um, but you, what the good thing is you are eating your way through your pack in the week. So I normally, <laughs> I normally go with just above the minimum number of calories, which means I'm starving. I mean, it means I'm sort of minus about 3,000 calories or 2,000 calories a day. Jesus. So you lose, you lose weight. People, I normally traditionally use half stone in about five days in that way. But it's, it sounds quite tough. It's timed in a way that if you want to, you can, you can walk the whole race and finish. Um, and it is the most extraordinary week. It's the most extraordinary week. It's, it's doable. It's very, very doable. And if anybody wants to do that race or is thinking about doing that race, they can do it. I, I was told the very first time I did it that I couldn't do it, I shouldn't do it, you know, what was I doing? Um, and in a, to a certain degree, I, I didn't know what I was doing, which might have been a blessing. I just yeah. turned up yeah, and... <laughs> turned up and gave it a go almost like your first race though or, or yeah I, it's, it's just one most of my <laughs> quite a lot of, I kind <laughs> don't of, admit that Susie don't no, admit I that. kind of like not knowing what the course is if you know what I mean I know the distances and then I can kind of break it down into a time and then just think like okay, this is what I'm doing for the next mm. 12 hours could you pick one memory from the MTS so I've done it four times so um, <laughs> okay there's, there's two there's two which are quite high in my head uh, and the first one I have to say because it was a terrible, an amazing surprise. So one year I talked my then boyfriend into it, saying it would be a lovely holiday, like self-catering in the, in the desert. And he, uh, he proposed to me at the finish line, which I was not expecting, which was a, a, a massive shock. And we had had a... He won't mind me saying this. We, we had, had a very, very different race. So we, the idea was to run together, and he got ill quite quickly in the heat. I mean, he had heat stroke and was not well at all. And... I was having quite a good race. <laughs> and so we kind of split up on day two, and then I went on to, to fight, fight to be in the top ten. So I was top ten on the long stage. Um, I was doing really well. Mm. I ended up in the... Uh, uh, so on the last day, the elites, the top um, 100, I think, get to 
get to they get held back for three hours and then go and so I was I was I'd made it to the elites which was for me Phenomenal. extraordinary because not many women made it to the elite I think like 15 women make it uh, so that was unbelievable meanwhile he nearly died <laughs> So, it's, um, it's, you can laugh about it now but we like, can and we can but it was quite an emotional one and then I was not expecting it and um, and so that that was a very very memorable race and and you know we kind of as a couple you know you know you get the couples that go on holiday and it's like I, I just knew he's, he's crewed me on races we've run ultras together um, and so I just knew it was just going to no, it was it was an instant yes of course yeah. Uh, so there's that obviously that's a that's a pretty good memory um, and then I think last year with my friends having not been well and just being out there with my very very dear friends and running this race we just ran the whole thing with my husband who'd come back to do running with me and my best mate and a couple of really close friends and we just did the whole, and it was just a, a joyous we were hungry sure we stank <laughs> there were moments where it was like <laughs> why why am I trudging through the desert you know um, but it was ultimately a a real sort of uh, a really really wonderful uh, wonderful week you hold that race very close to your heart don't you I do hold that race very dear to my heart it, the very first time I did it it was my first sort of real big challenge for myself and I didn't uh, you know I didn't I didn't realise what I was capable of and it opened this I thought I'd just do that race and then go back to running half marathons you okay. know the occasional marathon but it opened this whole new world to me of these races in sort of wonderful places and um, you know it was just I just met some wonderful people who inspired me to do other races that was the first time and then obviously I got married I got a husband in another one of them and then had a really life affirming experience in another one and then there was one which I didn't actually have a very good time in but again it it was good it was all good three out of four is pretty good right yeah three out of four is pretty good running as a whole then because it obviously has changed your life running what has it given you confidence yeah I had no confidence beforehand Huge amount of confidence, not not like in an arrogant way, but huge amount of confidence in in what is what you can do. You know, uh, I was I didn't have any confidence confidence at all. I was very shy. You know, I didn't really think I would come to much, mm. um, and it has changed that about me, that aspect about me. And it, I mean, it's just changed my. It's changed. It's genuinely. It sounds really cheesy, but it's genuinely changed my life. Yeah, I've just met some wonderful people and seen some lovely things. Mm. And your husband? Yeah, met my husband. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so if someone, if anybody was thinking about putting on their trainers and going out for a run for the first time, what would be your advice for them, if you will? Yeah, it, believe in yourself, really. And it is. It, it can be. It can seem tough running because it is tough and. Um, there are some days where you just feel like you're going nowhere um, or it's, it's twice as hard as it was yesterday and you're going backwards, you know. Just keep chipping away at it. Don't be too hard on yourself. Don't compare yourself with too many other people. Just just do, do your own thing. And uh, if you miss a day or whatever, don't worry, it's fine. <laughs> Go again another day. Um, but just have a little bit of belief in yourself. Because you will, there will be a day when you will go out for a run and everything will come together. And it could be two weeks in, it could be, you know, uh, two months in, and you will have a fantastic run and you'll feel alive. If you ever need any motivation to get out on a run, just go and visit Susie's Instagram. One of the loveliest ladies I've ever had the pleasure of chatting to. So thank you once again, Susie, and thank you for sharing your story. Next week on Why in the World, we have got ex-Southampton football legend turned extreme ultra-athlete Francis 
Benali. Make sure you are subscribed, give us a five-star rating and a positive review, and you will hear that episode when it comes out next Wednesday.